Welcome to the New Zealand Tech Podcast, presented by Paul Spain, Bradley Burrows and guests. Welcome along everyone, you are here on the NZ Tech Podcast, we are at episode 6. Yay! And this episode, you've got myself, Paul Spain. you got Bradley Burrows. And Jason Hosking. Welcome along, Jason. Welcome. Nice to have you as a guest in the studio. Good to be here. Excellent. All right, guys, tonight we have quite a lineup of things to discuss. We're talking about an event happening in Las Vegas, kicking off tomorrow, called Mix. We're talking about digital books and making the transition to using digital books. Uh, we talk about uh, tablets again this week, a little settlement that Sony have made this uh, in the last few days. We talk about a new iPad app that's just launched, some new server products coming through from Microsoft, changes happening at Google, and Facebook with some activity in China. And then we finish up with some apps of the week. And there's a couple of other bits that we'll probably drop in there as well. Some randomization. As always. Mm -hmm. We like to be sort of random from time to time. So first up, the Mix event happening in Las Vegas. Sounds like quite an interesting um, quite an interesting event. Kicks off tomorrow for us. Yeah, early in the morning. Uh, but but, but in, the U- in US it's uh, Tuesday morning, isn't it? Yep, that's correct. And it's an event that, that really covers um, web development, application development for mobile devices and platforms. Yep, UI experts, all that sort of the surface-based technology. There's going to be some of that there. So, yeah, there's a lot of the gaming guys are all going to be there this year. So it's a, it's a whole sort of mix <laughs> of pulling everyone together, sort of the, the development platform. So, so really, I guess the creative people that come up with all of the all of these apps and user interfaces and things, along with the the geeky coders that that pull it all together technically. Yeah, yeah, that's correct. I mean, Microsoft's got a couple of guys up there that flew out of the country on Sunday. So, if we can, we'll try and get a hold of those guys, um, even if we can do it via messenger. And we'll see what's going on and see if we can get some, some scoops of what's happening over there and see what the, the, sort of the feeling on the ground is. Yeah, well, it sounds like there'll be a, there'll be a few new bits of pieces of information that, that will come out that we haven't heard about you know, platforms like Windows Phone and so on. It, I mean, certainly looking at last year, it was the mix event last year where yep. really all the major sort of information was shared about Windows Phone 7, the upcoming launch. So I'm I'm certainly hopeful that we'll hear a, a you know a bit more about what's coming in the next version uh, this year. Yeah, I think it's going to be a heavy push on on the development platform. I mean, they've what they've broken fifteen thousand applications at the moment, and they're signing up about one thousand five hundred new developers a month. So yeah, I, I can see there's going to be a real push around what the the framework and how it's all going to work, and the tools and, and all that sort of ecosystem that Apple's done really really well that Android is getting there with all their different sort of development platforms, if you like. But, yeah, I can see that's going to be a big push this year. Well, Microsoft, you know, one of their strengths is that they're, they're great in terms of connecting with the, the software development community, giving them good tools, and then getting them inspired to, to jump in there. And we've seen that with Windows Phone 7 with a new platform, you know, just out of the gates, but there's already a lot of fantastic applications. Yeah, there's a phenomenal amount of developers. And um, as you we were talking earlier on this evening, I'm going to have a go at becoming a developer myself over the next couple of weeks, which everyone's laughing about hysterically at the moment. And, yeah, well, hopefully we'll have a little announcement in a couple of weeks with some new apps that we can sort of share around here. That would be fantastic. 
Good, good, good. Now, some sad news, some sad local news in the last few days is that Data South, which is one of the big uh, technology service firms in the South Island, has um, has shut its doors. Yeah, it's no longer with us. Yeah, really, really sad. I mean, they they're a pretty major firm in the in Canterbury and the South Island in, in terms of um, you know running technology for a lot of businesses, advising them, and and mm. so on. And uh, you know, quite a team there that's that's going to be out of work. Yeah, they they did some really really amazing stuff just with using IT to solve some some neat things around there. I, I remember reading. I had to do a bit of work um, for, with them to sort of review one of their sort of uh, submissions for the partner awards and in, in, that we run here. And um, basically, what they'd done is they'd actually used a whole lot of Microsoft technologies with some Apple technologies to get a architecture firm to go green. Cool. And it meant that they were carbon neutral, and they, but they were using technology to actually achieve this. And it was a really neat angle the way so that they did cool. it. Yeah, it was. There were some neat people down there. So, yeah, it's a real shame to see them go. I think, um, I, from what I've heard, there's a lot of the a lot of the staff have gone off to other organisations, so they've got employment, which is good for Christchurches mm. with all the impact. But yeah, it's just a shame to lose an organisation like that. They were they were very cool. Yeah. Oh well, we wish everyone involved the best, and you know we know that there'll be there's going to be fallout anyway. Just the impact of the earthquake things impacting business and. You know, some businesses are you know, coming out of the recessions. It's a it's a tough time as well. So um, yeah, yeah. Hope everything goes well down there. If you yeah. need anything, give us a yell. Just give send us a Twitter message, and yeah, we'll see what we can do. Now, digital books. Yes. Very very interesting space at the moment. There's been a you know a whole bunch of new devices coming out that allow you to to read, not on paper, right? So Amazon really, I guess, have led led the way. Jason, you you've been uh, you know using various digital reading devices. Mm-hmm. What what what's your take? What are you what are you using, and what do you what do you like? Um, I'm trying a bit of everything actually, but the, the, <laughs> the, there's so many. But the main ones for books at the moment would be the Kindle. I have have a Kindle, and I also have it as an app on my iPad. Um, the Kindle itself, the Amazon Kindle. You know, it's a bright sunny day. You can go and sit out in full sunshine. If anything, it even gets easier to read. With the iPad, it's just a nightmare trying to read on. In in that sort of situation. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, yeah, I found the Kindle was really nice. It's slim. It's a light device. In in terms of you know book reading, it's great. But it's not so suited to you know anything else in terms of web and and other types of content. That's right. right. But what, what's great about what Amazon has done is being able to access books instantly and check out a sample chapter. There's something you think you might be interested in. You can, you can just get a sample chapter sent to you. Yeah, yeah it's and good, isn't it? It's brilliant. And and most of the models, certainly the model um, I, I tried out and, and had for a while, I got it when I was in the States last year, had the 3G capability in it, so as you say, you can get it instantly. And I was, you know, sitting in LA waiting for a bus, and I'm sitting there pulling down these, you know, books and things to look at, and it's just great. You couldn't, you know, not oh yeah, well, we go to a bookshop, or I'll go to the library. Just well, actually, I just want to read something now. Boom, mm. done. And and the fact that you could use that 3G, you know, mobile broadband access built into the device for no charge. That's that's quite. Revolutionary. No one's done that sort of thing before, right? Yeah. So, so for me, um, 
I, I get all my magazines from the UK and I get PC Pro, PC Advisor, oh, there's a whole lot of Hi-Fi mags and I used to get those shipped over. I used to have to wait the six or seven weeks to, for it to come through and it would arrive in the mailbox and my wife would laugh at me as I ran down like a little 10-year-old school kid and <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was a good experience. But yeah, I mean, for me now, I've installed an application on my iPad and all those magazine subscriptions um, come through digitally now and for me that's been, I mean, I've already got the June issue of PC Pro. And it, for me, it's just been a, a great experience. We're in April and you've got the June issue. I know. They've already got the June issue out. It's incredible. But it was a really, I mean, I literally, I, I turned it on the other night. And I said, oh, you've got a new magazine. So, um, clicked on it, downloaded it. Ten minutes later, I had a full magazine in front of me. Could swipe. I could do everything on there. And I was just, yeah, very, very impressed at the moment. Um, I do miss the whole paper feel at the moment for some reason yeah but I, I can understand that I mean especially when you're getting magazines in from overseas and it is yeah. something special you you lose that there's something nice about flicking through your magazine and, and you know paper especially when it you know it's 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 really visual type content and so on and um, it's more than you know when it's more than just words. I but, think that makes yeah. a difference. Do you thought, find do you find you read it as much? Yeah, I do definitely. I was okay. talking to Jason just before, and one of the key things is that when I used to travel to say Seattle or Denver or something like that, I would have seven or eight magazines piled up in my laptop bag, and it would be like about mm. ten kilos. Yeah. And now I can just have it, everything on the iPad, or I can actually get it through a Windows device or an Android device. So now I'll be able to carry thirty subscriptions. I've got good content there to, to sort of read all the time and yeah I've actually gone back a couple of times and reread articles um, just focused on one or two things I've put place points where I want to go through so uh, yeah so far I'm really enjoying it really enjoying it and so what what's the application you were I knew you were going to ask me that and you know what it's just gone out of my head I will I'll look I'll remember it Zinio? yeah Zinio that's it okay. thank you Zinio and it, it's really good because you can go through it's not just IT magazines in there it's there's sports there's just everything there's in food there. wine yep. cooking photography so you can so, go through and yeah, I would definitely recommend having a look at it um, I think I paid 48 New Zealand dollars for a month subscription so one month subscription sorry um, a year subscription yeah and so I get 12 um, 12 magazines mm, that's, that's amazing I, I have that as well and you know National Geographic Geo um, it's a magazine produced in Germany really hard to get here on the shelves you know instantly downloaded yeah. and that's love that's it. fantastic and and Obviously, the the different devices there are there are the variations like the screen and how well it, it works outside. So your iPad, yeah, it's not so good in, in bright sun, but no. yeah, probably not where you're going to read all the time. But there's a big difference in battery life too, right? What um, what are you finding, Jason? In in terms of in terms of the devices that 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 you use, for instance, the Kindle that's got really Kindle good is, battery life. Kindle right? is incredible, yeah. considering you've got this such a small light device. Absolutely. Yeah, because they use e-ink and it's you know very low current draw and it's um, if you turn the Wi-Fi off on that, you know the battery will last you a month. <laughs> so you, you could go away somewhere. So good. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a takeaway to the batch for a couple of weeks. Yeah. Keep it going. Or, Does it, or you're on the beach in Phuket or you know wherever in the world and you just don't for even those you don't even fortunate enough fall. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not on the beach in Phuket. Not the, at the moment. I actually haven't used a Kindle, so I'm sort of got I've got a few questions. Does it do graphics? Is it all just text based? Um, it can do graphics. 
but 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 primarily it's text based. Okay. It's black and white, yep. and the black the white. graphics aren't so crash hot. They're, they're, they sort of take you back to the um, uh, graphics of sort of you know, Mac Plus in the in the eighties, almost sort of that black and white pixelated without retro, without um, yeah. But you make it sound like saying that that the text would be. That would the text well, would the, suck, but it's no, the beautiful text. text. It's like yeah. looking at a printed page almost. Hmm. Okay, I might have a look at that. But yeah. no, I, I'm enjoying. I'm enjoying going digital well, because I don't read. I don't read enough sort of books that that suit it. I didn't hold on to my Kindle, but you know, for you, Jace, it's that's something you use all the time, right? Mm. Yeah. And another thing great about these ebook readers is the ability to change typeface or the size of the text so you know you've left your glasses at home and you can't read it just push a button and type gets bigger it re- reformats on the fly and yep oh that's good well definitely i'm going to have a little bit more of a look at, at some of the other um some of the other apps so the key the key apps that you use jason on on your um devices like the ipad using uh, the kindle key- app Kindle, Zinio, and um, probably one of my favourite apps is called Instapaper. Now Ooh. that's a little bit different, isn't it? It is a bit different. Tell us about Instapaper. Um, Instapaper is basically designed for busy people who, um, you know, you're, you're on a website, you're scanning through, looking for information, and bang, you, fo- you find something that may not be completely related to what you're looking for, but it's you want to read that you, it, there's a, like a little applet that goes up into your um it's in the browser window corner that's right. isn't it yeah, yeah. You, and you just hit that and what what instapaper does is it strips out all the html all the graphics and it just gives you the pure text so um for people who commute you know you're taking a bus or a train ferry you know you, you can read that stuff later and it's on the go, yeah, yeah and yeah. It's, let me tell you, Instapaper, the Instapaper app on the iPad, kicks ass over the Amazon app, and um, it's brilliant. Yeah. It's really good. Is yeah. it, and is I understand free? that, and there are there are there are clients available for pretty much every platform. I know there's one for for Windows Phone Seven that's just come out. There's not not Ooh. by them, but by you know someone else that ties into it, and their official apps. Definitely for for iOS and, yeah. and so on. The thing the thing with this as well is you don't have to have an iPad. You can read it on a Mac. You can read it on a PC. It's kind of web based. So, but if you do want, if you do have an iPad and you want the app, it's about six dollars fifty. That's not bad. Oh, yeah, I'd pay for that. It's actually quite interesting. You mentioned that. Um, for some reason, I don't know why I did this to myself today, as I was. We were talking about um, the iPad devices, and I showed someone the old footage of the courier prototypes that Microsoft were designing a few years ago, and which was those dual LED screens. I actually do know someone that actually was on the test team of that particular product, so it did exist. It wasn't a mock-up. Mm. And they had that exact style where you could hook into a web page, select the text, and just drag it onto another application and then read it later. And Yes, what could have been? Eh? What could it's have a been? great concept, and I'm, and I'm sure we'll see much, you know, more of those type of you know things coming through. But it's great to have a good app available. Now, there's some other apps that are quite interesting in terms of the way they pull content from different sources, and it's not, you know, exactly the same as sort of a um, you know an electronic book reader. But 
still quite interesting. There's Flipbook, uh, a couple of other ones we've just been looking at on the on um, one of the iPads here. It's actually flip Flipboard. Flipboard, is it? Oh, yeah. I always call it Flipbook, but it's Flipboard. Just there you flip. go. I stand corrected <laughs> once again. <laughs> um, Jason, you've been using that a fair bit. Yeah, I've, I've just been playing around with it, and it's um, basically the way it works is you download the app, which is free. You, If you have a Google Reader account, you can put in the settings for that. You can have uh, Facebook, Twitter. You can add all that stuff into it, and um, basically what, what it does is brings up little squares on the page and you you it, tap on that tap on that and it basically goes searching on on the all of those sources blogs. that you've linked in so if you've you've linked in you know some twitter accounts of photographers that you know you've linked into some blogs you've linked into all these sources it's pulling out sort of the what what it picks as the most freshest relevant content yeah basically the, like whatever's the latest so the, whatever's the latest tweet, but the way it does it is it compiles it into a format that is almost like reading a newspaper. It's yeah, it's quite beautiful. It is, and and that's one of the things that stood out to it when when I first looked at it is it's really stylish. So you've got all these sources, and and some websites their their layouts aren't very good. Their typefaces are a bit, mm, you know, their graphics aren't very well done. But this lays it out like a really professional magazine all of the different bits and pieces of content. It's, mm. it's extremely good. Yeah, I mean, Jace was just showing me just now. I mean, it's got the full swipe. It's got the page turns. And if that's coming in as an RSS feeds from different things, that that's a very, very slick way of pulling everything together. I know places like, you know, like Google, like MSN, have tried to have that portal where you get your own content. It's almost like your own personalised version on, as an app now, isn't it? Pulling well, it yeah, well, this takes, I think, takes those those yeah. portals that are, that are personalised to to a whole new level and it doesn't you know just draw from the web which those have done traditionally yeah i'm um, oh, sure the the content is all off from the web in some format but the way that it looks at at your various social uh mediums that you use like like twitter and so on and then draws all the content in from those sources it's fantastic mm. so so that app is free that's right so how do they make money is it advertising do you get advertising when you go through it how does it work that's a very good question um, whether they have plans to advertise in the future i don't know at the moment there is no advertising in there oh that's nice which is fantastic i guess it's one of these common things in, in the in the in the age we're in where yeah people will launch and companies will come up with this next great idea they'll launch it they don't necessarily even have in mind how they're going to make make money but if they draw a big audience then at some stage they work out a way to commercialize it as as we've seen with platforms like Twitter and, and, and Facebook and so on, as they go along, they soon work out a way to commercialise it if you've got millions of eyeballs looking at your, your product or your app or your, your website. Mm. There's uh, there's always a way. Good, good. All right, well, let's keep moving. Uh, next on the list, we've got new tablets. Now, I hear just actually picking up the Harvey Norman catalogue this weekend, <laughs> interestingly enough. The leading IT publication in New Zealand. I know. The news that was in there, I did not know that locally um, Ace's new tablets are going to be launched. I heard they come out internationally, mm -hmm. that Acer have a new honeycomb tablet that's just launched overseas. They have a new logo as well too. I saw they that do, today. new Acer logo. Yep. Uh, so yeah, that's coming out here within the next maybe week or two from what they're, what they're saying. 
I will see if we can get hold of one of those to uh, to chat about over the next little while. Um, so we'll keep you in the loop on that. And Acer also launching uh, Windows-based tablets as well as the Android Honeycomb one. So that'll be very interesting to uh, very interesting to see. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm keen just to see how slick and smooth and how well it how well it works. The last Android tablet that we had our hands on was great. It yep. was re- you know really nice from that user perspective. The Frodo version wasn't it? Two point two. Yeah, that's right. Still, obviously, those sort of security concerns <laughs> floating around, and and not something that um, that I'll be letting too near our business network. But in terms of a personal. Yeah, personal device, definitely keen to have a look and, and see how it's going. I'm still reading a few reports about stability of the Honeycomb release. So there, there might be a little bit of work that they've got to, you know, Google have got to do there to, to smooth off the edges and, and, and get it really running sweetly. It, but it's nice to get some devices, though, that we can actually start seeing, you know, these things mature really fast. So, yeah, yeah it's just nice to get some stuff we can get our hands on, have a play with, and see how it compares. I mean, the, the iPad's the benchmark that everyone's trying to get to at the moment. So. Yeah, let's see where Honeycomb goes, and, and hopefully the devices match what the iPad 2 and iPad 1 is. Hmm. Now, Sony had a little bit of trouble last week, didn't they? Oh, yes. There were those uh, denial-of-service uh, attacks on their um, PlayStation, the play- network. PlayStation yeah. network. Not uh, not good. Well, interestingly, and, and I believe unrelated, but Sony had gone after a chap by the name of George Hotz, is it? How do you pronounce it? I think that's about right. Uh, Skip's nodding, so uh, and Skip is a man that knows all. Uh, or Geo Hots, as was his sort of internet handle. He had um, hacked the PS3 and worked out how to put pirated games on it and done some naughty bits and pieces in there. So like the old PS2, which everyone used to hack and everything, he's done the same thing with the PS3? Apparently so. And uh, Sony weren't too happy and were, um, yeah, were, were litigating, shall we say, and spending some big dollars. Um, apparently he ran off to South America. I, I read uh, a couple of weeks ago. How the, much was this guy doing? My God! Uh, um, but uh, but apparently it's all been settled and and everyone's happy. So um, the the exact the exact details of it um, uh, it's a little it's a little bit hard to know. But uh, if you're interested in that, then there's plenty more details um, online. He must have been doing something very naughty to have Sony, or maybe they were just trying to make a statement that not to do it. I, I think so, and if you look at the the you know the gaming platforms, if people are able to pirate the software and not buy the discs, then your audience is, is the younger segment of the market who don't tend to have so much dis- disposable income. So if there's a way to get around the the copyright and yep. you know copy the games, then then you know everybody will give it a go. And so you know it's understandable that uh, Sony are. are um, are not keen to encourage it. Yeah. I, I, I remember, and Skip would be able to confirm this for me, the Xbox update they did about a year ago, maybe a year and a half, where all the Xbox 360s that had been chipped or pirated with software hacks, that one of the updates completely locked. So I think it was about 10 million Xboxes out of no, the it Xbox. Wasn't, it wasn't. Was it wasn't ten million, but it, it was. It was a. It, it was, was up, a lot. Yeah, it was a Skip lot. Of, his hands in the ears going yeah, up. Yeah, it was a lot. Of, it was a lot of users that were that were, locked out. That were impacted, yeah. and people were told that if you you know if you break the rules, then that's what's going to happen. Yeah. So people knew up front, and those that sort of oh no, we'll try it on. Then they ended up with a, an Xbox that you know wasn't it was fried basically wasn't, wasn't much it? more useful than a than a brick. Yeah, so it was um, a DVD player, but yeah, no. So yeah, it's yeah. interesting that people—they're actually <laughs> <laughs> bit of a bit of a pity, eh? 
Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It is. I mean, like the PlayStation Two and the old Xbox. I think everyone they got hacked all over the show. The mm. the later platforms, you can still do it, but it's a little bit harder now. Mm. A little mm. bit harder. Mm. Now, a new app for the iPad that just came out in the last uh, day or so mm. that's been getting a bit of attention, even covered by the New Zealand Herald, which is it's fairly unusual for them to talk about anything from this particular software company, namely yes. Microsoft. Yes, they're, they're, they're quite sort of anti-Microsoft, those guys. <laughs> or so it appears. Yes, anything to do with Apple they love, anything to do with Microsoft they tend to sort of poo-poo. So. Uh, funny. So the, this Bing app, we were just having a look in the uh, the app the app store, the, the US one, so you have to have a US subscription to get it at the moment because it's tweaked for the, for the US market which tends to be the focus of Bing at the moment they're trying to win a lot of market share in the states and they seem to be doing you know reasonably well against Google in that space they're creeping up there slowly Um, slowly. but looking at the app they'd already been rated 15,000 it had been rated 15,000 times in whatever the last 24 48 hours Five stars, and and it was sitting pretty much on five stars, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, look, we 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 had a play with it um, earlier on, just on um, Jason's laptop, oh, sorry, on his iPad, just to get it going. And definitely, I think the geo locking on that was sort of trying, it was holding Some, us. There back. was something a little bit yeah. odd going on, wasn't there? Yeah, but I, I had a go of a friend's iPad today, which actually had a US account, which was fully working, and. Yeah, look, it really blew me away. I mean, the two so key... So what, what does the Bing app do? What's it for? Well, obviously, it's a basic search app. So you can do your searching. But what it does is it brings up all... Down the bottom, you've got like a ribbon interface, which you can slide along. It aggregates, again, all your news, stocks, sports stuff, all that down there that you can just click on. It'll give you instant access to what's going on there. But one of the things I really liked was actually the, the Bing Maps. It worked. <laughs> and it was great. I was, I'm walking around the office with this, the Bing Maps thing. So, look, it's very similar to Google. You've got that top-down look. But as you go down, it automatically zooms into sort of that street view that Bing has. And it was suddenly doing all the navigation. I could walk. It worked out via GPS exactly where I was standing. I could always pivot around on what I'm doing. I was walked up Queen Street to the Sky Tower, zoomed up to the top of the Sky Tower. It was a really fluid app. It worked really, really well. Um, and I was able to swipe like pages on a book back and forth of what the content was doing. So and yeah, it was just a really slick application. And obviously, the guys at Microsoft have done a lot of work to actually get iPad apps working because they're actually doing a lot of iPhone and iPad apps at the moment, which is yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah. Cool. And we All must right, be doing we'll something right for a five-star rating. On Apple. Yeah. yeah. What, 1,550,000? Something ridiculous. It was, it was know, a, a lot thing. of five stars. Was, yeah, yeah. No, that was that was good. I look forward to those sort of apps, come, more of those apps becoming available in New Zealand. And I guess that's one of our frustrations here is there are, you know, there are, there's a bunch of things coming through that are very US-centric and unavailable here. And of course, yep. there are always little tricks you can do to get around it. Um, but it'll just be—it'll be great when New Zealand's you know important enough or you know easy enough to uh, cover with those apps. But you know, great to see that with that being one that it, at least they've they've got the content for New Zealand, yep. and they are able to deliver it. Maybe at not the level that they're aiming for, but still at a pretty good level if if you've got the. Uh, uh, the US account and you're able to get that onto your iPad so yeah, yeah I'll definitely be having a look at uh, that one alright well we've got another actually Microsoft thing on the agenda as well 
Windows Home Server 2011. That's yep. just just been finalised, hasn't it? Yep, that's definitely. And there's a, two other sort of associated products. There's a new uh, Windows Small Business Server Essentials 2011 and the Storage Server 2011 as well. Probably the, the latter two are, are much more business-oriented, so we won't dive dive so much into, into those releases at the moment but in terms of in a home environment the home server where would that fit you know for instance you know jace you've got your you know you've got a really mac oriented home in terms of you've got your macbook pro you've got your ipad you've got your iphone whatever else plugged in mm-hmm. my environment's a bit more of a mix between you know mac and windows your environment's probably similar. How how would a device like that work, work for us? So I've actually got about five of the original home servers running in my house at the moment. Um, yeah, don't laugh, Skip. Are, are you uh, serious? Yeah, You've I do. Got it. I've got fives. About yeah. yeah. <laughs> how many servers have you got in total? I've got a small data center in my house at the moment. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> I've got about 10 servers. Yeah. Okay, I just wanted to clarify that for our listeners who, who thought that maybe Brad's home was just the same as, as everyone else's. It, it, look, I built he mine. May not I just l- happened to put a little data center type thing yeah. in there. So. Yeah. so, yeah, look, I mean, so they've, they've got this the, the new small business server family coming out. The home server is really the next version is designed where you can have it sitting there. It's supposed to be a whisper-based appliance. It's really, really quiet. You install a bit of client software on Mac or Windows-based devices, and it automatically starts doing um, backups of your devices. It gives you access to be able to put your photos, your videos. Um, it allows you to store files on it. Um, but the neat thing is is that they've natively built in all the Mac support now straight into Windows Home Server 2011, whereas before it was only the HP-based devices. Um, and these devices also allow you to do streaming, so you can actually push your video files off the um, the media server. So you can sit there with. In the old days, it used to be Twonky, I think, was the client application, so the software application. So it was it was a bit complicated. To it do was, that it was stuff a bit in the past, convoluted, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Whereas it's now it's now designed just to be sort of a plug and play thing and that any goes. home user can just plug in. You install this, you know, bit of software on your machine, yep. and you're up and running. You know that your Mac or your PC or whatever it is is it's just going to get backed up, so you don't have works. that panic of, oh, yep. you know, your your hard drive crashes on your laptop while you're away on holiday, and, uh, you know, I've lo- I've lost. I've lost my last five years worth of photos or, yeah. you know, those sort of scenarios. And, right? and I've actually done a couple of tests to see. Um, I borrowed a friend's Mac and we backed it and we, we wiped it and restored it and we've done we've done the Windows-based devices. But, yeah, it's just a simple way. My, my wife has the client on her lap, on her laptop um, and basically she can sit there, put the camera into the onto the laptop, drags all the photos onto the home server. Um, it also has a web server built in so it, you can publish those so you can, the family can see all the websites. It uses Silverlight so you can actually get a nice rich sort of thumbnails and film strips and everything else going on yeah and it's just it's just a really really easy way to pull all that music and video and picture content and also have your devices backed up so so that's come out um, and then obviously small business server essentials has gone um, has just come live as well and that sort of sits between the the home server product yep. which, which can you can have up to what 10 pcs Correct. or max linked 10 into devices it? 10 yep. devices so you have up to 10 things hooked into it and the kind of the the mid-range small business server product that a lot of small businesses in New Zealand yeah. have been have been using over the last sort of you know ten plus years to run to run their networks. Yeah, um, it's aimed at the sort of slightly smaller end, isn't it? This, yeah, it's one to twenty-five. Yeah, one yeah. to twenty-five. I mean, I I call it the hybrid server. So. Uh, 
traditionally you had small business server which was your on-premise so you had all your big heavy lifting email sharepoint all those type of um, applications running on-premise um, now with the small business server essentials one of the cool things is that you can still log into it you can still have file and print but things like email SharePoint, uh, Link, which is uh, OCS, so all your presence awareness, CRM is all going to actually buy it through a dashboard and it actually pulls it through. So, so you've got basically got a very simple server yeah. product, and if you want all these fancy other tools and the so heavy on, lifting stuff, you know, you want email or yep. you know client relationship management, those things, then you you buy those separately from a hosted service so you don't have to have them sitting on your on your premises. Correct. And it all brings it through the small business server essentials. So ties it together. Ties right? it together. So you can again you can be on your Mac, your Windows device, whatever, and you can log into the small business server essentials and you'll hit you'll open up your your Outlook or your Entourage, whatever the client, email client is, it pulls it all down, but that's actually going through the Essential Server. And I've seen some of these little Essential Servers and they're tiny little cubes, mm. absolutely tiny, two rated um, SSD drives in them, and that is minute. And then, yeah, it's, it's just designed to be a very simple 1 to 25 user business, which, Great. to be honest, there's a lot of New Zealanders that are that size. Great. Oh, it's going to be interesting to see what products land here in New Zealand and, and you know, what where they fit. Yeah. Obviously, you know, a, most businesses have already got something in place. So, you know, there'll be a, a mix of businesses in terms of who will who will be looking at this, maybe new businesses or ones that don't have a server yet and so on. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, no, look, looking yeah, forward to very interesting. coming through. Lots yeah. of fun reviewing that one. Good. Now, just want to move into a slightly different topic now. Um, Jason, having you here is, is great. You're, you know, your day job, what you do, you're a professional photographer. You, your photos are available through the big photo libraries like Getty Image and so on so you're out there shooting these these fancy things um what's the gear that you what gear do you use for that um myself personally i use nikon i have a d3s okay um it's a pretty heavy duty uh dslr camera um that's pretty high-end equipment, isn't it? It's you know the 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 digital SLR camera that I've got is the the sort of the consumer type you know thousand uh, dollar camera, but the sort of level you're talking at, it's it's a much higher-end equipment, isn't it? It's it's truly professional level gear, yeah, right? Yeah, I mean you you pay extra money for features. You know, you, you go outside in a dust storm or a, a torrential downfall, and you know you pretty guaranteed that you, nothing's yeah. going to happen to it you're, awesome. you know, it's, you're pretty safe you know you can up to 11 frames a second shooting oh, you know wow. it's, a, it's a professional camera so it's mm. designed mm. for intensive daily use um, where your camera may not be but um, no certainly not no. <laughs> not like portraits equipment <laughs> and, and sort of I mean l- for, for, for a layman I'm not a photographer person so my sort of two key things are sort of what's the megapixel size and then also what size memory stick do you stick in that damn thing um, what's the megapixel size of my camera yeah, yeah. is it like a 12 uh, megapixel 12 yeah and, and so how does how does that relate to you know because obviously you can get phones now that do 12 megapixel what's the difference yeah. between you know, a camera that's five or ten thousand dollars that does twelve megapixel, and what what's in a what's in a phone? What's the what's the thing that, that why, makes it? Why makes is it your so camera different? better than Skip's iPhone? <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, I could probably give you a hundred reasons for that. I'm asking myself the same question. Why why do they pay so much for this thing? Um, You know, it's it's built for professional use, so it'll take a knock. Um, You know. (laughs) My camera, I was up in uh, in a hide photographing some st- some birds. Um, my camera basically took a fall from, uh, I was about 20 feet up in a scaffold, watched it bounce down. Wow. Cried. You know, I, I, just about, I was like, my mouth just dropped to my feet and you know, my brain engaged and I went down, picked it up. It was fine. Wow, that, know, that's just, cool. And but the the lens technology is kind of the differentiator, isn't it, in terms of what the 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 picture? I mean, the, there's so much differences in the lens capabilities, isn't there, in terms of how much light comes in and and so on. Well, compared yeah, to a phone, right? There's got to be. I mean, it can yeah, be, for sure. Yep, um, interchangeable lenses. You know, you 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 know, proper professional grade lens is full of glass. Um, it's very heavy. And you're going to get, you know, beautifully sharp images. Um, but at, at the same time, you know, it's a thing like an iPhone or a, a Windows phone, anything with a camera. You know, I don't discount those things. It's Those things are great for having in your pocket. And, you know, you see something, you can take a snap of it instantly. You might see um, something going on around you. You pull out that big um, Nikon people are going to freeze up and start acting awkward but you know with your little um camera phone people can be a bit lot more relaxed and so on and i guess you know we look at some of the recent news and things that's gone on you know we've we've obviously had some natural disasters around the world we've had you know happenings in the middle east in terms of regime change and so on there's a lot of information that's able to get out very quickly about these yeah. things because people are carrying, you know, smartphones and various devices with them where they can grab a bit of footage, grab some stills and get that online quickly. And you might be watching the news tonight and actually seeing footage that, you know, someone just happened to be in the right place at the right time mm. and, and they've caught it on their phone. Yeah. So how do you, so you're out up on the scaffolding, you, you, you're doing your photographs, you've got your big camera there. You plug that into one of your MacBook Airs or one of your Apple devices. You do the manipulation of the photo there and then, or do you take it back to the studio to work on it? How does it sort of work? What's yeah, the I, I tend to f- I'll fill up my cards, yeah. and I'll have you know half a dozen of those. And, and, and <laughs> as I go through, you know, I'll I'll put them away so I don't record over them. At the end of the day, you know, I'll come back, I'll download those onto. I, I have an external hard drive. A bank of them, you know, one terabyte drives. Home yeah. server would be good for that. <laughs> <laughs> Brad's doing yeah. his uh, put his Microsoft hat on just for a moment to do a quick sell job on Jason. Uh, I'm just trying to judge whether Jason's buying it. Uh, oh, he looks still undecided. So I'm uh, happy to see a demonstration. <laughs> Come over to my house. I'll show you. <laughs> and all the listeners are invited as well. Yeah, oh, sorry, Brad. <laughs> Sorry about that, Jace. I, no I rudely, no rudely, rudely interrupted. I forgot where we so, were. At, so yeah. there's quite a setup required for you to go in and, and and edit these photos. It's a pretty major job, right? You've got some, you know, some some software tools that are at a professional level. You're not using the the oh, they're, same they're available bits and pieces to that we use. Yeah, sure. You can. Um, everybody can get the software. It's you know. Whether you want to, but pay, it's, pay I guess, for it it, and it comes down to the skill of knowing how you know how to use it, and the, there's an artistic sort of element to that, and 
and so on. It's not something where I can imagine myself diving into Adobe Aperture or um, you know, etc. and trying to <laughs> and trying to figure out what to do. Is that the, is that one? That's one no, of the tools. Right? Adobe Lightroom. I think Aperture is the Mac. Oh, sheesh! I get mixed up with these things all the time. <laughs> MS Paint. That is one of the best applications. <laughs> yeah, thanks for that. Um, you know, a really exciting thing that has been happening with DSLR cameras now is the ability to record motion. I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with House. Oh, yeah, it's oh, the TV, the TV show. Yeah, yeah. Last year, the season finale of House was filmed entirely with Canon 5D HD DSLRs. That's just a still photographer's camera Normal that now camera. has the, um, the, the film capability in it. Or That's the, right. The, the, wow. Yeah. They were just trying to prove a point that it could be done, I suppose. And it can be. Yeah. Like they had obviously done the test to see what can be done. The same effects that you can get with a still camera, you know, the shallow depth of field, the soft out of focus backgrounds, that beautiful, you know, you can you can do that with these things and you can get into tight little spaces. Lucas Films have been running tests with these things. That's great. And um, and there's even like I've I think uh, some of the people I've chatted to have been have been using them for doing music videos locally here mm-hmm. in New Zealand as well. Actually, sorry, you just reminded me. I just read something before we came into the studio tonight. Is that Peter Jackson's just done an update on his blog on his Facebook site to say they're recording The Hobbit at 48 frames a second, which means it's going to be one of the first production films in the world to have this super crisp 3D high-speed cameras being used to record a movie. So he's actually going down that similar path of actually having that crisp user experience that's going to future-proof it, was his word. So, mm. yeah, no, it's They're all, using the, awesome. the new RED cameras, yeah. aren't they? The latest equipment from RED, is that wow. right? Wow, I love one of those. <laughs> that technology just sounds phenomenal. They've mm. just taken a, a, you know, a fresh look at that and, and have come out with something that, you know, there's all these companies that have been specialists in, in, in the field of... of um, you know, cinema cameras and so on for a long time, and then these guys have come along and just aced it with absolutely incredible technology. Hmm. Well, it's very nice that um, that Peter Jackson gets to play with it. Yeah, yeah. Mr. Jackson or, or Sir Peter if, Jackson. Yes, if you're listening, Sir Peter, we'd we, love to have you on the show. We really would, and we'd like to have a play around with the tech. So, yeah, um, yeah let us know. All right, uh, <laughs> next on the list, Google. There's been a few changes going on there in the in the last um, last couple of weeks. Yeah. CEO has changed. Yep. They've also got more antitrust against them, against them now by the EU. Um, what else has been going? I'm just trying to think. Now, I was reading about this all t- the other day. So Microsoft's joint gone on board with the EU, which is kind of ironic when considering the EU has been going after Microsoft for the last 10 years. So now <laughs> Microsoft's probably the most experienced antitrust people in the world. Um, so yeah, they've gone, they've pitched in for search to do with um, not being able to search accurately YouTube accounts, so YouTube videos. So only Google at the moment has 100% access to be able to search all the metadata, all that information where you put in family, friend, and pig Right. Or something and so so it means that the apps that Microsoft are, are producing that would you know look at the available videos aren't able to deliver as accurate as good results. Yeah, twenty yeah. percent, and it's not just Microsoft. It's from it's all the other smaller search providers have actually banded together. Just uh, the Microsoft obviously is the biggest brand out of the out of all the smaller ones, so mm. that's what the media's got a hold of. But yeah, they're only getting access to about twenty to twenty five percent of all the YouTube information to be able to get accurate searches. So yeah, but bit, bit yeah, ironic. But, but yeah, it's interesting. Mm. And the other thing going on with Google is they're really trying to make a big play into 
the social media mm. um, space at the moment and understand that they're actually going to be rewarding their staff based on success in, in that field. I guess they feel pretty intimidated by the success of Facebook, which is now a more popular site than, uh, or there's more time spent on yep. Facebook now than there is on Google. So Facebook is sort of becoming the new place to, you know, to be online as it has been for some time, but for searches and so on as well, right? Yeah, I mean, Google Wave was a big disaster, and that was one of the big. I mean, it's the first time Google actually had a failure in one of their. Yeah. One of their big products, if you like. Yeah, so, and I guess every software vendor has that, right? Yeah, and, and, and they've everyone's taken, yeah. tried something that's kind of tanked, but yeah. that was one where they, um, yeah, first time they tasted a bit of sort of, oh, something didn't quite work. And yeah. since then, they've definitely tried to be playing catch up with Facebook. Yeah, definitely. oh, that's interesting. Now, Facebook have just uh, announced, or there's, there's word of a bit of a deal um, in China for Facebook with the big search engine there. Who, which is, can anyone pronounce it? It's B A I D U. Is it Baidu? Baidu. Baidu? Ba- Baidu. Yeah. Yeah. So apparently they're teaming up to do some sort of a, a Chinese version of Facebook. Now, Facebook is banned in China at the moment. Yep. Mm. As, I, as I recall from um, when we visited there last year. Uh, but you know, a lot of the people there have, have you know got a VPN access. Like we have a VPN to get into the states to 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 view American video content. The Chinese have VPN access out to get onto Facebook, Twitter, and these various other things that are uh, you know blocked by the the Great Firewall of China, yep. as they as they call it. Uh, but it'll be very interesting if uh, if these guys can actually pull off a, an equivalent thing that that's Chinese based. Yeah, look, I mean, I used to when I worked in the UK uh, for Microsoft and. The UK. I had to. I did some work with MSN for a little while there, and when MSN, MSN.co.uk, and all those sort of the portals were looking to go into China, you cannot have your data center outside China. So Facebook are going to have to build all that infrastructure in China to actually get up and going. That's the same thing with Google. That's why they pulled out of China. Then they sort of got into a bit of hissy fit with with the Chinese government there for a little while. But yeah, now Facebook's going to have to set up its own presence. It's going to have to be a standalone environment. I'd say. Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how long and, and sort of how much energy they're going to have to put in. But it's a big market to get into. I mean, the the, the search providers over there, some of them are, are bigger than, than Google in some respects and what they're doing because there's the amount of people over there that use them all. Um, it's, it's a different world. We, we're just not exposed to it down mm-hmm. here. Well, Google are the number, they're the number two player, aren't they, in search in China? Yes, they're yeah. number two, not number one. Yeah, which is unusual. There's not many markets in the world that, that that that's the case all right so now it's time to announce the winner of last week's competition mm. which was to do with ip v5 whatever that may be where did we it go were, we were trying to wonder why there was ipv4 ipv6 well we got in the, the closest response in fact the only response on this because they're I'm not sure that there actually is a perfect answer to it, so sorry for throwing out such a hard one. But we're going to give the prize to... Now, forgive me if I get the name slightly wrong, but Yugen Yugaraja, uh, he tweeted us with an answer, and we'll retweet those that for uh, anyone that wants to look into it. But it's the closest info that came back about why IPv5 was skipped. Yep, I've, so, I've got uh, a web camera under my desk. We'll get your address off you somehow, and we'll get it couriered down to you. 
Excellent, excellent. Well, that's great. Well, I think we're out of time. Uh, we've got a whole bunch of exciting stuff coming up for next week. We'll talk about uh, what what came out of the mix conference. Uh, there are some apps of the week that we didn't get to cover this week, so we'll dive into those. Yep. And if you'd like to look Insta us up, paper. of course, um, we're online, nztechpodcast.com. Now, the individuals that are here tonight, we've got Jason Hosking. You are jasonhosking.com. You're on Twitter as well. What's I'm, not, your, I'm not tweeting much at the moment. Not tweeting much, but what's your... Are you just Jason Hosking. Jason Hosking. Cool. Mm-hmm. And Brad, you're... At Brad Bohr. That's my Twitter and my blog. Just go to nztechpodcast.com. My blog site's linked off there. Go Excellent. the easiest way. And, and the same for me, at Paul Spain on Twitter, and you can find a, a link to my, my blogs and so on from the nztechpodcast.com website and our Twitter info and everything else. Is Next there. week's show is going to be big. There's a lot of stuff that Paul and I that's go, know that's going on at the moment, and we're going to have a big show next week with some really look, Really looking forward to it. All right, thanks, everyone, for listening in. Until next time, this has been the NZ Tech Podcast. Cheers. See ya. Ah.